Hey, good day from sunny Orlando, Florida. I am Josh Elledge, Chief Executive Angel at SavingsAngel.com, and this is the Savings Angel Show. So in this week, I'm going to talk about kids, responsibility, and student loan debt. I, as a money-saving advocate, consumer expert, syndicated newspaper columnist, TV and radio personality, I'm passionate about young people learning how to handle money before it overwhelms them in life. Just ask my daughter, Olivia. Now, I want to see young adults saving more money, earning more money, and living abundantly, free from the traditional trappings of debt and not really understanding money until life knocks them around. Now, learning at the School of Hard Knocks doesn't have to be the way. Instead, let's help young people learn by examples that are already all around us. Now, that's why on this show, I have for you student loans, avoiding them and dealing with them. I've got some great advice how you can minimize the amount of student loan debt that you have to acquire. Also, I've got a pretty radical but very effective way to teach kids the value of money, how to grow your relationship with your spouse and simplify your budget at the same time. Got a quick update on my weight loss journey to better health. Oh, I've got good news. And I'm dedicated to helping people of all ages, but parents of kids under 20, this show is especially for you. So let's go. Now, when I say student, do you say loans? Well, maybe for sure now, because I mentioned it just a minute ago, but would you have said it anyway? Now, many people would, or at a minimum, have an instant association between students and money, such as broke or poor, especially if you add the word college to the mix. This is the sad truth of the modern pursuit of higher education. It has certainly been in the news, what with the presidential candidates uh, doing their thing and all. But uh, look, being a college student, higher education, it's becoming nearly synonymous with debt. But as an advocate for debt avoidance and debt reduction, I'm happy to give you some brief tried and true methods for avoiding debt in the first place. Number one. Let's honestly analyze the student, not emotionally. Let's try to do it left brain. Now, it's too easy to look at a high school grad and automatically figure that they're headed to college. It's ingrained in our society. But that may not be the best course of action for all students right away. I want you to ask yourself, are they really ready for college? Some young people simply become overwhelmed and end up having to transfer or even quitting college altogether and don't have a diploma to show for all that money now owed. Now, this was my position when I was in high school. I had no way of paying for college. Now, I worked my guts out all throughout high school, and I had actually saved $5,000, but I wasn't getting any scholarships. My grades were just okay. I you know, really wasn't looking at getting any, or let's say, much financial help from my parents. So pretty much everything else. That $5,000 was going to last me maybe a semester. Now, of course, I would work while I was in school, but I don't know that I was really emotionally ready to... To, to really do as well as I ultimately did. Now, of course, my life path led me to join the United States Navy for five years. And it was 
really one of the best things that I think I could have done uh, during that time because I ended up getting the GI Bill. I ended up going to school for close to free because of my increased maturity. I was able to get scholarships during college. Uh, I retook my ACT tests uh, while I was in the Navy and did significantly better. It ended up being a good path for me. Again, I don't want to dissuade anyone from going to college, but I just want you to at least think about it, right? That it's possible that there may be an option that includes a delay Uh, We don't want to put this off too long, right? Because we do want to get on with life. But again, just consider that there may be other options. Next thing, do they have concrete goals? Speaking of your students, do they have concrete goals and aspirations? Do they know what they want to be when they grow up? Now, if not, the result is trying this class and that class, heading into a field maybe, only to change focuses midway, sometimes multiple times, resulting in more classes and thus more debt. Next, are they dedicated to obtaining an education or are they just looking to have the quote-unquote college experience? Now, the quote-unquote college experience can be a lot of fun and it may be helpful for them, but that's a pretty pricey price tag just to have an experience. And so perhaps maybe a different option might be better rather than the pricey private college or university or the state university that's more expensive than maybe a local option. Now, the upshot to all this is that you can avoid student loan debt by honestly analyzing whether or not going to college is the right thing. Now, I'm not saying they should never go, right? But I am saying maybe they shouldn't right away, taking a year or even two to work, maybe do social service, uh, maybe um, do whatever it is, right? They can work and determine where their life passions lie could be a very wise financial choice. Plus, money can be saved for classes so that finances are there when the time is right, okay? Again, you're the parent, your student is the student. I'm just throwing some ideas out there. Try it on for size. If you want to reject it, that's completely uh, within your uh, purview. Number two, let's talk about this because I mentioned it. Go local first. Going local the first year for basic classes is very advisable if you ask me. Credits from an accredited community college usually transfer very well, but are much less expensive. And still living at home saves thousands of dollars, particularly for general education classes. This plan earns my savings angel best buy strategy. This is what my wife did. Now, my wife ended up getting her master's in family therapy. She's a brilliant student, did very well in high school, didn't really have a whole lot in terms of scholarships. She did have some scholarships, but she found that she could basically go to community college for close to free because of that. And of course, didn't have to pay for room and board at a college that that wasn't local. So again, please give this some strong consideration. Yeah, I've I've talked about this before uh, some time ago, but the allure of a private or very prestigious college, in terms of earning more money and a greater position in life, really doesn't have 
that control that it once used to. Now, there's a book that I'd really love for you to check out from the library or read online. I'm seeing where you can get it really inexpensively. I don't know if this is a used copy or something like that for $1.99 online, uh, but, but definitely take a look at this. It's by Malcolm Glidewell, and the name of the book is David and Goliath. And there's really just one chapter that I really want you to take a look at, and that is on higher education. And Malcolm Gladwell builds a very, very strong case for not being a small fish in a big pond. There's a lot of risk associated with that in terms of your student maybe not having the best experience. It's actually much better statistically, for them to be a big fish in a smaller pond in terms of going to a school where they may be in, let's say, the top 25% as opposed to going to Harvard, but yet being in the bottom half, okay? Again, I'm not going to go into a whole lot more detail, but if this sounds intriguing and you'd like to learn more about this, please read this chapter, and I suspect you can find a lot of information. I did a great interview with my friend Lauren Gaggioli, who does a podcast called The Higher Scores, or it's called The College Checklist podcast, which is actually a really great podcast if you have a student uh, on their way to college. And if you go back to episode 51, she and I talk about this in great detail. Please check this out if you've got a high schooler, because this is a big deal. This was very, very eye-opening for me. I, I always thought that you know, in terms of our student, we need to get them into the best college that we can possibly afford or they can qualify for. And that may not be the best case for them. Okay, next, let's talk about this. Hold a light schedule and work, work, work. The quote unquote, worked my way through college method is definitely difficult, but extraordinarily rewarding. Students who are dedicated enough to do this can show potential employers both a diploma and years of experience, squarely placing their resume on the top of the heap. And so, and, and I'm hearing more and more about the value of work experience and how work experience in some cases is trumping maybe getting involved in so many clubs, particularly in high school, as you're applying for college. Now, again, myself, by the time I got out of five years of being in the United States Navy, I ended up finishing my bachelor's degree in two and a half years because I did have a lot of credits from the Navy and because I went to school for a year as a Navy journalist. And then I also took spring and summer classes, worked very hard, ended up working like 30 hours a week uh, while I was in college. That's how I was able to graduate with next to no debt. I just completely worked my way through it. Again, something to consider. So what if you already have student loan debt, right? Uh, maybe it's yours, maybe it's a child's, and you're hearing me talk about this and you're thinking, yeah, great advice. If I didn't already have student loan debt, you might be saying that you've had yours so long, you give her a name. You can refer to her as Sally. She's practically part of the family. She gets a monthly stipend and a comfy place in the filing cabinet, and I'm hoping she'll move out sometime around 2023 but it's not looking so hot. Now, student loan refinancing has evolved over the past several years 
and players in this space have been coming from places like Silicon Valley. Now, having recently raised more than a billion dollars in financing, SoFi.com, which I review at my website, SavingsAngel.com, and then scroll down and click on any blog article, and you'll see the SoFi logo in the right-hand side. Please read my review. I'm a big fan of this because I've seen the amount of savings that our Savings Angel fans can have. I mean, if you have a regular student loan and you're paying like 5 or 6 or 7% interest on it, whatever it is for you, please do a refi. You can likely save yourself a lot of money. So anyway, SoFi is short for social finance, and they've made waves within the personal finance industry, and they even touted their prowess in a Super Bowl ad this past Sunday. Now, the Dave Ramsey crowd will likely cheer SoFi's recent decision to abandon an applicant's FICO score when determining student loan refinancing qualification. Instead, they factor employment history, your track record of meeting financial obligations, and monthly cash flow minus expenses. Now, why might a student loan refinance be a smart move? Well, the average student loan interest rate has been at about 7.9% over the past several years. Refinance rates can reach as low as, listen to this, 3.5% fixed rate and even lower when choosing a variable interest rate loan. Now, there are some government protections that you would give up when choosing a private refinance. However, the savings of thousands or even tens of thousands over the life of the loan repayment will likely make this a very smart financial move. So, I want you to check this out. Go to savingsangel.com. Now, if you do click on that, there's there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, you're going to get a $100 bonus, right? That's yours just when you uh, pre-qualify. And it's, again, they don't do a hard pull. They just do a soft credit inquiry. So it's not going to be that big of an impact, but definitely check it out. Now, the second thing is that we will get some sort of credit. So I thank you for that. It's a great way. It's a great win, win, win. It's great for SoFi. They're a fast growing company. My consumer advocate friends love these guys. I love these guys. It's good for their business. It's going to be great for you. And Thank you so much for supporting Savings Angel and the Savings Angel show by checking out and seeing if a refi would work for you. Now, I'm so glad SoFi is around to help with debt that's already been accumulated, but I'm all for avoiding it in the first place. I mean, unfortunately, student loans aren't the only source of debt accumulation that's very common with young people. The other is credit cards. Now, the old school way of thinking is that you need to, quote unquote, build your credit right out of high school. But in fact, this myth got so bad that it became like a mile marker or rite of passage when people turned 18 that they got a credit card. Now, here's the thing. There is little reason to start building your credit that young. It's just not necessary. On the contrary, it could actually be dangerous. Why? Because the only reason, well, I'd say mostly the only reason that you need to build a credit history is to take on debt. That's it. Now, again, some people will argue that sometimes employers need to pull your credit report to determine reliability, but generally, yeah, it's debt, right? Being saddled with debt on the chance that a future employer might possibly want that kind of information, it's kind of silly, 
right? And it could be downright dangerous if you end up getting yourself in trouble. So you're trading freedom for slavery when you take on debt, right? So I want to suggest something radical instead. Not at all radical to your grandmothers and grandfathers, but radical in our day. I suggest you teach your young people to earn the money they need, (gasps) to pay for things as they go, (gasps) and to learn budgeting for everything they need. Now, the end result of such lessons is a natural avoidance of debt. Now, our friends over at YNAB, that is, You Need a Budget, have a great blog post about this very idea. The contributor explains how she and her husband took learning how to do chores and turned it into learning how to live. Now, her children have the opportunity each and every day to earn money doing their assigned responsibilities. Everything from helping with regular chores to being responsible to get up on time for school. When they complete a set, such as morning set of responsibilities, they get a peg on their completion board. Each peg is worth $1 at their house, but you could make it any amount you wish. Then, at the end of the day, they get a signed slip for the number of pegs completed, and once a week, they get money budgeted for them for all their slips. This is just like real life, people. I mean, we get assignments from our respective employers. We complete the tasks. We fill out the time cards. We get paid. We budget that money for our needs and expenses. So you may be thinking, big deal. It just sounds like a normal chore chart or allowance to me. But here's the kicker. Check out the list of items the kids are responsible to pay out for out of their own money, and you'll get the very significant life lesson teaching difference. The kids need to pay for. Now, again, they're earning, you know, they could be earning good money. Matter of fact, I talked to my good friend, Joe Salce from the Stacking Benjamins podcast about this last year, and he brought up this, uh, this very system. But these are some examples of some things that the kids need to pay for. School lunches, clothing, including shoes, coats, underwear, etc., eating out, School activities, such as t-shirts for field trips, donations for class supplies, etc. Birthday presents for friends. Teacher gifts, including Christmas, Valentine's, end of year. Cub Scout extra activities, like go see it and go into the zoo, that sort of thing. And sports, like baseball, soccer, etc. And then finally, toys and fun stuff. Any of those items, the kids need to pay for that. So they get more practice. At this, Do you see what I'm getting at? And again, if mom and dad just takes care of anything and there's no incentives and rewards and consequences for not having done the work, well, it's a natural consequence and likely is going to be less yelling in the house. I got to be honest, in our household, I haven't been real good at this. There have been seasons when my wife and I have been fabulous with this with our three kids, but I I really, having read this article, YNAB's been teaching me, I got to say, has been teaching me a lot of great stuff. And this is one of these things I really feel like I need to get back to. And so I'm hoping that you'll try it as well and that maybe you try it for 30 days and then report back to me on our Facebook group, which you can find. Just go to Savings Angel down in the lower left-hand corner. Just click on our Facebook icon. Join our fry our private but yet free Facebook group. It's a great group of people. Let me know how this worked out for you. Now, having things like lunches and clothes, you know, have the kids pay for that. That might seem radical. But again, the concept 
grounded and solid life lessons. As adults, we have to earn money and budget it for all these things and more. So teaching kids to do the same makes sense. Now, I will mention that the author doesn't advocate doing this until the child is old enough to handle the responsibility and learn from the lessons this method teaches. So, I mean, that makes sense as well. So maybe you might want to wait till they hit a certain age, then they move into this system. Now, if you want to read the article in its entirety, I'll have the link to the blog post in the podcast notes for this episode, available at savingsangel.com forward slash podcast. Click on show number 146. Now, I'd mentioned YNAB, and I've got a review of YNAB on our blog at savingsangel.com. Just click on the right side of any blog article and listen to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago when I chatted with Todd Curtis of You Need a Budget. In fact, I had a question about money and relationships in particular because I know many of us okay, have had money fights. You have, I have, you're not unique. That's normal. But you know what? They're not much fun. I get that. I wanted to ask Todd, and I didn't cover this in my last interview, I wanted to ask him for some ideas on this, because they have a whole book. Matter of fact, you can print this out, if I'm not mistaken, you can print this out for free right now. Just go to savingsangel.com forward slash YNAB, because that's going to give you 34 days, and you can actually print out a book and read it. Uh, right on their website. But let's get to this question from Todd Curtis of You Need a Budget. I'm looking on the YNAB uh, website right now, sure. and I'm clicked, I clicked on the Learn tab, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing different guides. One of them is Join Forces. When you budget together, you stay together. Yeah. So what's YNAB's approach to finances as it applies to couples and sure. uh, those who are budgeting together? Because I know that can be a very, very touchy subject and a very hot subject for a lot of couples. Yeah, it can be for us too. We, you know, we, <laughs> Nobody's immune. <laughs> well, just the idea that like, you know, <clears throat> this is another thing that makes YNAB a little bit different is that we're willing to talk about this. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's one of those things where other, other financial software or, or systems might just kind of, well, we're going to talk about this in a general sense and we'll assume you'll figure it out as it relates to doing it together if that's what you're doing. But, but we really wanted to address it directly. Um, because people struggle with it. So the, one of the core ideas uh, in that guide is that in, in any budgeting relationship, there are actually, you know, there's two of you, but there's three sets of priorities. There's your priorities, my priorities, and our priorities. Mm. And it, without really kind of thinking about that and talking about that together, it's too easy for uh, one set of priorities to kind of um, to make a mistake about about assuming we're talking about one set of priorities and we're actually talking about another, or for one partner in the relationship to kind of always be deferring uh, their priorities to one of those other ones. So we really encourage uh, uh, couples and partners to put those three sets of priorities on the table and make decisions about them together. Um, because if you're just always talking about one, or if you let it be that you know one set is so much more important than the other, um, you know that's that's when you run into into trouble. So that that's one area. The other area, and on that page you were referencing, there's another guide called Simplify. Fewer moving parts is better. Yeah, um, I see it. And 
and joint forces has a little bit of this simplify in it. So some people, when they're uh, budgeting with a partner, uh, make it pretty complicated. So when we say yours, mine, and our priorities, we're talking about priorities. We don't, we don't mean that you need seven different checking accounts to keep track of that, <laughs> right? Like, go ahead, you're budgeting together, set up a joint account together, and really, um, you know, take that step. And uh, it doesn't mean that you don't each have your own money in your budget. My wife and I have uh, a fun money category for each of us where we can, you know, that money is, uh, you don't have to report back about that money. Just do whatever you want with it. Um, that's not, you know, that's not part of the shared decision making so much. Um, but that if you, if you try to join forces but sort of not and have all these different accounts, you're still making it really complicated for yourself. So, so trust, trust your shared budget as much as you trust each other in that relationship. Well, thanks again to Todd Curtis of You Need a Budget. These guys rock the house. Their prescription for the common household budget is genius. And you'll get 34 days free of their premium level service if you go to savingsangel.com forward slash Y-N-A-B, which stands for You Need a Budget. Or you could just read my review at savingsangel.com and why I Moving forward, I won't use any other tool to budget with. Now that I'm doing my budget the YNAB way, any other way, it's like, what? why was I even bothering doing it that way? Because it stinks that old way. So the what you want to do, it's the every dollar has a job method. That's what YNAB does. It makes so much more sense than the old school way of just doing a monthly post-mortem. In fact, on next week's show, I'm going to ask Todd about how to budget if you have variable income. If you work as a contractor, a small business owner, if you get commissions... I think you're going to like the answer because their method is the only method that makes sense if you have variable income. I certainly have variable income, and there have been times when that variable income has been teeny, teeny, tiny, and then there have been times when it's been good. So again, the budget, the those are generally kind of fixed expenses except for you know when you have those emergency things. But anyway... This every dollar has a job methodology works so much better. Now, again, once again, visit savingsangel.com forward slash Y-N-A-B and get 34 days free. Please join me in using You Need a Budget. So finally, I want to share with you a quick weight loss update and a special free offer. Now, Abundance in health and weight loss, I'm totally into it. I'd love to cheer you on in your own weight loss or fitness goals. If you stumbled this year, like you started off the year, maybe you lost a few pounds and you're like, yeah, I'm rocking this. And then whatever, you kind of settled into old habits, you plateaued, you gave up. Look, I that's what I did. I did that exact same thing, all right? However, I restarted last week, and if you heard my podcast last week, you'll hear that I got back on track, lost 1.1 pounds in one week, which I'm thrilled with, because that means that I've lost, mm, I think, 17 total pounds from when I started, before I started uh, losing weight with Wonderslim last year, but this year alone... Uh, I had lost, gosh, what is that, one, one, 5.2 plus another uh, 9, oh, over 6 pounds uh, for the year. But I'm going to tell you right now that I've just stepped on the scale, and I am so 
so happy because this past week, past seven days, I've lost another 2.2 pounds, which means from my heaviest guys, I've lost 52.4 total pounds from my heaviest. I'm down 19.2 pounds from where I started last year. Now, my goal is to hit 166.3. So that means I've got 11.7 pounds left to go, and I've given myself a deadline of April 30th. So this is, what do I have? I've got two and a half months to lose 11.7 pounds. I'm really going to have to be diligent. But you know what's making this thing real easy? I've got a way weight loss program that works so well when I work it. It's called Wonder Slim. The Wonder Slim meals are absolutely delicious economically, financially. It's very, very easy to work with because they're going to give you 14 free, 14 free Wonder Slim meals with your very first order. That's any size order. It's a $25 value. These guys kick in a 150% money back guarantee. Right To get this offer, you will not get it on Google. You will not get it if you go directly to their website. The only way to get this deal is you have to go to one of three things, wonderslim.com forward slash savings angel, or you can just when you check out, this is really important. You got to do this right. You use the keyword or the coupon code angel, A-N-G-E-L. That'll also get you the savings or When you get my email, if you get our weekly email through Savings Angel, just scroll down to the very, very bottom, and I've got my before and after picture that you can see, and you can see the weight that I've lost. Just click on that picture in the email. You'll also find it on the website, and it'll take you directly to Wonderslim's website, and it will automatically embed that coupon code. Again, you're going to get 14 meals free. We get credit for that. Thank you so much. It really helps keep this podcast going. We're very grateful for our relationship. I'm really thankful to Wonderslim because I've lost a lot of I've lost a lot of weight with those guys. Uh, so I'm thrilled. It absolutely works. I don't feel hungry. I don't feel deprived. I'm eating foods that I love. It's so super convenient. And not only am I losing pounds, I am losing inches as well. I'm losing fat, not muscle, because I'm getting lots of great protein. Anyway, love to have you join me. Don't let excuses rob you from the best health that you possibly can. Of course, your results are going to be your own, but I encourage you to join me and let's do this together. Well, as always, I've had a great time giving you practical, actionable items to save more money and live more abundantly. Now, if you love the advice that I gave on the show, would you take a minute and leave a five-star review in iTunes? And by doing so, you help Savings Angel. You help me. You help Rachel. You help, help Die. You help Barb. You help a lot of amazing people to get a little bit more recognized for our work. The higher our rating, the more we're noticed. iTunes bumps us up the rankings. So thank you so much for taking that 30 seconds to do that. I, I very... I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Now, as always, if you have any specific questions or if there's anything that you'd like to hear me talk about, you can drop me a comment in the podcast feedback, write me on my Facebook group, or call my podcast hotline at 407-205-9250 and leave me a message. I'll answer your question, write you back. I do. I, I write emails back all the time. Or with your permission, I might even share your question or story with others on this show. Have a wonderful week, everybody. 
full of saving more, earning more, and as always, living more abundantly. I'm passionate.